Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 125 of the Gate World Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. This week we're talking about Epilogue as our main discussion. It's episode 18 of season 2 of Stargate Universe. Uh, we have tons of voicemail once again this week. We have more voicemail on the cancellation of not just SGU, but the whole Stargate franchise, which we'll get to in our voicemail segment towards the end of the show. David, how are you doing? I am well. I am currently in Phoenix getting some business taken care of. I'll be beautiful heading back to L.A. in a few days. But uh, yourself? Very good, very good. I'm about to publish the podcast for Common Descent. Of course, we'll have been up for a couple weeks when this goes <laughs> for, for a week or so. Now, we were already like a week behind the broadcast of these episodes. And then... Well, circumstances we ended up getting two weeks behind so what that means is when we watch an episode and then podcast about it it means that when people uh sit down and listen to to next week's show the show that we they record, have more information than we have yeah that's true but i mean when we when we are recording a week from now about blockade it means that everybody will have seen the series finale at that point yeah by the time they listen to it yeah it's a Really a fantastic last bunch of episodes, I think, that we're going out on. Oh, you know that, do you? I don't know what to expect from the last two, other than the spoilers that have been released out there by by the network. But, you know, the last run, basically all of the back half of season two so far, I just loved. It really Mm -hmm. feels like the show has come into its own. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, it's all the more great a tragedy that we're not going to see a season three because I feel, and with epilogue in particular... Uh, I feel like the show has reached a point where... I mean, I love all these characters. I care about these characters. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. They're, everything is finally gelling. Yeah. A lot of people took issue with the fact that they themselves couldn't relate to these people. Boy, I sure do now. If I didn't before. And um, I always reasonably did, for the most part. This is just a great episode. I mean, I have no problem starting off, starting off and saying that. I am biased toward this episode. This is a great show. Carl Binder did himself proud. Just on that macro level, though, before we get into the nitty-gritty, it feels like, I feel like maybe 10 years when we're all looking back on the show, this is going to be the episode that, that we point to, that, that we say, that's when SGU reached its, its zenith. Not that it's necessarily the greatest episode of all time. You might think it is. But um, that's that's when everything came together. That's when all the, the cylinders started firing. There are elements of this episode that flat out reminded me of Torment of Tantalus. And I'll I'll talk about that later. But there is um, this is a good show. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the episode that makes you stop and, and say, if there had been a season three, I think it would have been astounding. I think it would have been uh, some of the best science fiction on television mm-hmm. if it had gone on from here because all the not only are, are all the pieces on the chessboard but we finally we finally have gotten to know the characters to a point where I frankly love them yeah there's, now they there, can really get to work no with the story single character on the ship that that I don't want to see more of. 
the main discussion. Our main discussion topic tonight is Epilogue, episode 18 of season 2 of Stargate Universe. Universe. Yes. Um, this is one that I have been looking forward to uh, since I first heard the title. I wondered uh-huh. what it meant. Twin Destinies, really, I mean, that episode springboards so many of these stories in the second half of the year. Yeah. And um, may have ultimately shaped the entire series in a way that we didn't realize. Uh, this this episode, it's a what if. And so is the previous one, but but more so this one. These, these two really, a common descent and epilogue really hang together. I don't know about the last two. I haven't seen the spoilers for them. I don't know if they have anything to do with the Novan survivors. I hope so, because it's such a big arc. But as far as this one goes, we get to see into the lives of the people who left Destiny from the very first Kino footage of them landing on the wrong planet to um, Camille Ray giving a speech substantially long time after, um, after that. When all the other Destiny survivors um, are dead, it's a great it's a great episode. Yeah, we get to see their whole lives basically after they leave Destiny through Kino footage and through our characters sitting and reading logs. Chloe finds her own journal. Yep, and gets uh, some insights into that future. It's a possible future in some regards, but it's also not the, the lives that they're going to live because this is not their experience. They stayed on Destiny. They're still on Destiny. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting, you know, sci-fi story to, to get the sort of what if and to know that some of these things, like, you know, TJ's condition... Cannot are, be prevented. Yeah, they're going to be real. They're going to be issues for, for our crew that didn't go to Novus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them are just, you know, this is this is another life. This is a life that you didn't live. So, yeah, we've got, we've got two stories going on. Sort of, um, but you can't call them an A and a B plot because they're intertwined so perfectly. Yeah, it's two A's. Uh, which is the alternate uh, world, the alternate lives of, of, of what happened to this first generation on Novus, and also what's going on uh, on the planet now as it's sort of crumbling into uh, in on itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the city is being cracked in half by a lava flow, mm-hmm. and uh, we're trying to retrieve supplies and information from from this bunker that they apparently set up and never used. I guess they never used the bunker because they knew that the whole planet was going to go. Yeah, they. Um, I think this bunker was built... It was built around Yazoo's time. Ya- when, he was, when he was a little boy, he, re- he recalled running through the halls of this mm-hmm. facility. And, you know, in this episode we find out, much to uh, yours and my delight, because it was a quibble... That the two civilizations got together, or the two countries, uh, set aside their differences, built ships, uh, uh, near light speed ships, and left. So mm-hmm. they ended up not using this facility. So our guys get to Novus, and we land the shuttle in the ash, and we start walking around, take a closer look, see if there's anybody around. And we find out that there is nobody around. The whole planet has basically been evacuated. Once we shot our way into that bunker, I really sort of expected to find a group of people huddled up down there trying mm. to survive some sort of apocalyptic winter mm-hmm. scenario, not knowing that the, their whole planet was going to go up. But even the bunker is is abandoned. Everybody has left. Mm-hmm. They sent teams uh, through the Stargate to check out lots of different planets, and then they lost their Stargate a few decades ago. Yeah. So then they started building ships and eventually evacuated. I mean, I don't know if they evacuated a, a civilization of millions 
uh, by ship, but certainly they got a lot of people out. Yeah. So we get a lot of stuff on Novus. Uh, we get we get lots of supplies, food, beef jerky, food supplies, and... rations, beef. <laughs> yeah, Greer finds beef jerky out uh, millions of light years from Earth. Some kind of NASA quality high grade lime substitute that's going yeah. to replace our um, our our, our filtration device that that Rush places into our filtration devices. This episode, yeah. I mean, really, it sets up. I think, or was intended to set up a larger story for for this show, which was we're getting our basic needs taken care of with all these supplies. That's, I think, what we're supposed to take from this episode is we're, we are getting our basic needs mm-hmm. taken care of so that we may proceed forward with this mission. Yeah. I mean, even in season two, we've seen a lot of, you know what, the ship is still falling apart. We're on our last one of everything. Yeah. With this lime substitute for the air filtration system, it's like okay, this problem is taken care of yeah. for years to come. That's sort of it's it's uh, if this is the end of the series. That sort of bookends us with air yeah. parts one, two, and three back at the beginning of the series, which yeah. is we got to meet our basic needs, and yeah. now our basic needs are yeah. Destiny Twin Destinies gives us the technology that we need to continue the mission, the spare parts, and then this episode gives us the food and uh, I imagine water. Um, supplies and and this, uh, a number of different kinds of essentials in order to complete the mission as well. So now we're ready to go. Just time, just in time for it to be canceled. Just in time to be canceled. And it's it's totally true to Rush, isn't it? That that everybody is sort of okay. We we need to find some food, and uh, most people are interested in information, uh, yeah. not just getting the information back to Destiny so that we can look at it later, which is sort of Eli's job. But uh, everybody's sort of sitting around watching Kino videos, and mm-hmm. Rush will have none of that. He knows that the most immediate problem is we've got too many people on the ship and not enough breathable air. So his, he's just wandering around the facility by himself, basically, trying to find a solution to the air filtration problem. Oh, his mission is to get us where we're going. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what he said all along. This planet has supplies that will do that. So while everyone's watching home movies, he's you know getting stuff ready to go, so, and rightfully so. I mean, I... I I would probably, I would probably have gone to someone and say, you know, find my files, find anything that you can on there, put it on one of those really cool, two thousand exabyte jump drives that they introduced a couple of episodes before. Like if you look at the screenshot, it says like two thousand exabytes on it. That little jump drive that that mm-hmm. Eli plugs into Destiny. It has its own brand name and everything. And so, but while you do that, you know, I'm going to go and get supplies. <laughs> so we can't we can't all sit around and, and read diary entries and and watch. Kino videos, you know, we've got, that was, I was going to quibble that in this episode, but I think I'm just going to put it out right here. I mean, that, and it's one of the points that Diana raised as well when I was talking to her this week, you know, they need to be doing what Rush is doing. They need to be getting supplies to and from those shuttles rather than just sitting around watching videos. They cut it together fairly well, but it's kind of a disconnect. When you think about what's going on, the, the planet is crumbling around you and you're sitting around sobbing about your future condition. I mean, it just, that, that's, that well, is my only beef with this, my only beef with this episode. They do assign a lot of people to that, and they talk at one point about bringing down extra people to help, uh, you know, get stuff out of there once yeah. the ground starts shaking. But yeah, TJ, I mean, as, as much as she was on the ball looking for medical supplies on, on the other Destiny, back in Twin Destinies, you think that she'd be a little bit more involved here finding medical stuff? Well, except for Rush, everyone... You can imagine, and well, we find out Volker. Volker passes away, which is a which is a great you know nod to continuity. 
um, not having the destiny supplies to keep him alive. Everyone was a part of founding that civilization. So they all had an equal right to sit down and, and go through the, the database. But not everyone has that opportunity. Just a few of, like, like Chloe and a couple of the others, just sit down and take their time with it. Uh, while everyone else is left relegated to, to bringing these boxes back up to the ship. Um, we don't know how many trips they made. We're not really supposed to know. We're just, I mean, it's yeah. basically, you know, we've got, I think we're, what we're supposed to take from it is we've got now, we've now got what we need to take care of ourselves for a while. Yeah, it was suitably vague how much stuff we brought back so that the writers potentially in the third season could say, oh yeah, we picked up one of those on Novus. As far as Volker goes, I was actually thrown off the first time I watched this because I wasn't thinking about the timing of yes, the previous episode. Yes, that's very episodes. important. You have to remember how thought, far these people are behind us. Yeah, I thought that Volker had died of complications, post-op complications of mm-hmm. his of his body, uh, you know, rejecting the kidney transplant. And it was only the second time that I watched it that I realized this Volker was pre-op. Yeah, you know, Twin Destinies came before Hope, and yep. so what he died of was his uh, his renal failure. Yep. They didn't have the the medical supplies of Destiny to keep him alive. When I made the comment last week about Eli, you know, not knowing, you know, what kind of genetic disorders he may come across in in his future, you know, watching this footage and discovering it, I didn't realize how accurate that would be to this week's episode with with Volker and later TJ. What happens to Volker is something that we already know. And then when you proceed down the timeline, what happens to TJ is also something that's that's genetically irreversible that we haven't mm-hmm. experienced yet. Powerful stuff. I mean, that's yeah. really so those powerful. Two, those two sort of parallel each other. Volker makes this discovery early on that he died of this condition. And so when he's looking at, at those those records, it's like, you know, phew, dodged a bullet. He's not going to have to go through that, you know, as long as he can continue to can continue to thrive mm-hmm. uh, after his surgery. Whereas TJ, you know, the way that she explains it to Varro after discovering uh, in the archives that several years from now she exhibits symptoms of ALS. In five disease, years, yeah. The way that she expresses it to Varro is, you know, this is not something that I picked up on on Novus. This I'm is carrying it now. I have. I'm carrying it right now, and it's going to happen. Well, looking at the alternate alternate lives on Novus, I'm tempted to sort of go character by character because we learn, you know, it's not just that we learn about them, it's that we see who they become after Destiny. You know, we've had these, these men and women crammed into this dark, old, falling apart ship for two years, and now we get to see what, what sort of people they would become if they're living out in the fresh air mm-hmm. and have to build a new civilization. You know, with TJ and Colonel Young, maybe even, there's some echoes of season one's faith. Yes. TJ wanted to stay behind on that planet. She had found out she was pregnant and wants to raise a child under a blue sky and not inside that damn ship. We see Lisa Park and Ronald Greer settle down and start a family. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I'm tickled that, that she settled down with him. I gave her a lot of crap a couple of weeks ago. and You I, gave um, her a lot of crap. I did, and, I and had... she really settled down. So, you know, I, I acknowledge that. That's, 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 really, that's really great. Yeah, I don't think she's a bitch. Uh, <laughs> now, if you go back and watch Life in season one, she is kind of a bitch because she sleeps with poor Corporal Rivers and then blows him off the next day. Exactly, and who knows, uh, who, knows who else? But ultimately, she settles yeah. down with Greer, and that was great. So I can see how you might think she might be sort of 
treating Greer like that. She proves here that, that she settles down, and they seem to be pretty sweet together. Another thing, you know, uh, with, with their messing with continuity is our Destineers have continued to evolve in terms of their relationships. Varro and TJ are a lot closer than Varro and TJ were mm. um, with the people who got off on the planet. You've got Varro and um, Vanessa James hooking up when Colonel Young hooks up with TJ in, right. uh, in this episode. That was a nice little direction that they took it. I gotta say, the sequence of all of them having babies from one <laughs> to the next to the next to the next to the next was fantastic. Whoever's idea that yeah. was, applause. It was pretty good, and uh, it gets also, it gets the point across. Okay, props to pretty much all those actresses as oh, a guy man. who has two kids and has been present for two births. Um, especially Elise and Elena, I think, did a great job with their, their childbirth scenes. I think we talked last week about the fact that Elena has some real-life experience of her own. Very well done. It's very sort of sweet when you see, you know, Matt runs in and he's trying to console her. And yep. You recognize that time has passed because his hair has grown out now. Yep. He's not wearing his, his military jacket anymore. So, and then and after TJ and, and Young get together, I think it's at, it's at Matt and Chloe's wedding where we see uh, Varro yes. looking over at Vanessa James, just sort of smiling at her. <laughs> and then you see the And I'm just of... thinking what's going through his head. You're hot. <laughs> Let's make babies. I'm hot. There are not many options on this planet. <laughs> you got broken up with. I got broken up with. Let's make this happen. There is a great scene between James and Scott. Yeah. I mean, this, this episode ties up all these loose ends for these alternate reality people. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a big one. She bears him no ill will for finding happiness, at least not on the outside, which was great. That was that was great for her character. Yeah, and as a secondary character on the show, I, I love the fact that they made sure that this scene stayed in. Yeah, because she's been you know she's been rocking herself in her quarters, crying over him. It, it's just great to see the strength of her character that that she's eventually able mm-hmm. to to move past it and, you know, be friends with these guys. There's only 80 of them living on this planet. Yeah, for now. And the the love triangle with Eli and Chloe and Matt, Eli sort of pining after what might have been but never would have been, never could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they seem to be in a good place, you know, when she she's uh, hanging up her clothes and, and comes out and pregnant and he's talking about, you know, Matt's building a house as fast as he can. Eli seems to be in a really good place at that point. Corporal Barnes and Eli? <laughs> Isn't that great? We were we were wondering last week who it was that Eli hooked who up. Who was with. it? Yeah, we got a call about that. Yeah, there's and, only so many women left on the ship who were not spoken for. And I think it's great that they used Eli and that they showed that not everyone ends up with absolutely who they wanted to end up with. Yeah, life still manages to go on. Eli loved her. Eli loved Chloe, but I think he really did grow to love Corporal Barnes. You know, and but he's staring at the Kino footage. I mean, he's asking. I, you can see that that what's going through his head is, "Oh my God, I settled." I f- I hope he realizes that he was lucky to find that that he was lucky to hook up with anyone, considering the male to female ratio on the planet. Mm-hmm. And that I think that scene, the the end of that with Chloe and Eli watching watching that is very well. Uh, shot and directed and very well acted because Chloe sort of suggests um, maybe this is something to consider. 
and yeah. the camera the camera slow pushes on Eli. He's shot, and he's he 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 basically doesn't doesn't blink. You know, they could have played that so many ways. They yeah. could have played it corny. They could have played it funny. He's stunned, um, and he just I mean, David Blue give, just gives nothing. He is stone cold stunned. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. I laughed out loud the second time. You know, looking at all this stuff that's going on on Novus when they're they're first there, they're they're trying to build some shelters, find some food, build a fence to keep the animals out. There's this uh, line of dialogue from Chloe where she says, "I never thought I'd say this, but I miss destiny." Yeah, and that was amazing to me. Yeah. That was that was a signal of uh, these characters have been stuck in this tin can for so long, and what would they be like if mm-hmm. they were free? Well, that of was it? completely reversed. If they didn't have the mission to to worry about, you know? Destiny, I mean, you are breathing artificial air in the middle of a vacuum in space. But Destiny also provided a great deal of security. When that is excised from their lives, you see the kind of people that they become. And one one of the greatest beats, perhaps in the entire series, is when Dale Volker... Turns to turns to Rush and he says, "You know, it really burns you that we we did perfectly fine without you, and it's allowed to." It, and and Rush is is not given a chance to respond, and he's he can only sit there, he can only stand there and stew. That was a great moment, because Rush has attacked everyone at one time or another, about pretty much everyone you know i mean volker just just a couple of episodes ago ago with uh, in regards to to to, uh, to lisa park lisa park yeah and now volker gets to fire back and he's absolutely right you know that's really what what burns rush is that um everyone did okay without him and that's that's just a great beat hey darren and dave this is john from dc just wanted to call and say thanks for uh uh Whoever does the editing, thank you, and thank you for having a uh, a good or better schedule for the uh, podcast dates. Uh, just listen to the hunt, and I'm looking forward to the next one. This episode, uh, uh, the one after Common Descent and Dan Kitsy uh, title, but that is my favorite two-part of the entire franchise right now. And uh, there was just so many good beats, but I just have to wonder why the whole old man Bodo, I mean, Bodhi, uh cliche. I mean, that was funny when I saw it, but I, I mean, the show's canceled, so they get a free pass. I, I wouldn't mind it, but gosh, that was so... And uh, I just wanted to give you all the thoughts of uh, if you think this would have been a good series closer. You know, something to give hope for, but without, you know, having to tackle the big question of the mission and uh, look forward to listening to you guys. The video of Adam Brody as a crotchety old man. You've got this guy <laughs> who is complaining about those kids getting, they, they're on my lawn when I was there and, and it cuts him off. You know, it's, I'm it's thinking so to myself, good. this is the leader of the opposing nation? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you it's, see it's, his progression throughout this episode as someone who's becoming very disenfranchised with what's going on. You know, when he's finger pointing at Eli and yelling at him, these were your calculations, you know. Yeah. You are the reason behind this, and he's right. Yeah, it was a bad idea to try and dial a nine Chevron address within a star. Um, something like this was bound to happen, which I want to talk about more in a little bit. But 
Brody's video is so funny, uh, and it's it's edited together so well because remember yeah. it comes at the end of this series of of all the couples are sitting down in front of the Kino video one at a time, and they're they're you know several decades on now. They're towards the end of their life. They're in their twilight years. Yeah, and even Mignon's character, even um, Camille yeah. is is settled, you know, and she has stuff that she's doing. Yeah, and so they're all talking about you know we had so many kids and so many grandkids. I'm tired. And then, <laughs> and then at the end, it gets to Brody, and he's just there, with his big mustache. Yeah, those damn kids. <laughs> and it cuts him off. I, I, yeah, I, I have to wonder if Eli was actually there, standing there, filming yeah. them all, because I, I think he was. I think, um, you know, there were only five or six kinos, so I think he um, was kind of basically the archivist. Yeah, I kind of wonder if it's because Volker was not around that uh, Brody became not only a crotchety old man, but the sort who would lead a splinter group and and leave and found another nation. That's a good point. They never bring that up, but I, I bet that that had something to do with it because those two were fairly close. They they were rivals often, but you know what? At the same time, when you lose someone like that, yeah, that would that would have hit him hard. Hi, this is Bobby from Kirkland, Washington, with a few comments about epilogue. I found this to be, of all the SGU episodes, the most emotionally complete and compelling. We were participants, not just observers, in the full spectrum of human emotion. We were with these people through the duration of their lives and beyond their lives. We saw the future progeny of their dead selves merge with their living selves, and we as viewers were present as a third party to that merging. I think the philosophical and spiritual potential set up here is intense. This show has now awakened to a place where we can see the full tragedy of its cancellation. In this episode, for the first time, I experienced these people as a community. And for the first time, I cared about that community as a community versus caring just about a few people in it. Finally, I don't know if Diana Botsford will be on your show for epilogue, but if she is, Diana... I think this episode is SGU's version of Next Gen's Inner Light. So one thing that we take away from this episode, it is called Epilogue, and it is a, a wrap-up of a lot of potential things insofar as this is not an alternate universe. This is not another reality that we get a peek into. Yeah. These are our characters living out the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. It's just that they got sort of duplicated. They got twinned by, by this time skip. You know, if if the show had followed this group of people through the Stargate and left Destiny forever, this is a really nice, touching end to their story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just also get to go on on Destiny. Wouldn't it have been interesting if had they um, known that the show was ending, they went ahead and made these guys the main story and somehow finished off the characters that are currently on Destiny and they took us to this planet and they showed how the the civilization had had grown and ended and and developed. Yeah. Um had I I mean had I been the showrunner and known beforehand, you know, before getting to the end that that the show was the that I only had three or four episodes to tell the story. If they're doing five seasons, I couldn't have compressed all that into the last sure. few episodes. But I would have considered saying, you know what, we've got this alternate history. Let's stay on that. Let, let's do away with these other guys somehow, the ones that are on Destiny, and let's focus on the characters who were sent into the past and leave it at that. 
you can't you can't say because we haven't seen the last two yet. But I wonder right. after after season two is said and done, if maybe it would have been a good idea to air Common Descent and Epilogue last. So yeah. this really was the last that we saw of these characters. Well, you Might just have been said an interesting choice. Yeah, you just said in a few years from now, you wonder if uh, this is the episode that we're going to think of because this is the episode. This is going to be the the, the sets are being struck right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. This is the only episode that is going to feature a conclusion to them, period. So I really think that this is probably going to be the one that we're going to stick with. Yeah, it Um, is. It provides some kind of closure. Um, And that's the interesting thing about Rush is uh, when he's sort of stung by Volker's little insult at the end of the episode. For Rush, it's always been about this ship and its mission and why the ancients created it and the cosmic background radiation and what we realize more maybe not realize but what we see very pointedly in this episode is this is a huge sacrifice for these people at the end of the day these people were probably much happier living out their lives on novus than on destiny yeah Uh, we don't get to see the rest of the destiny story so we can't really say that definitively Uh, and certainly it's not any better for volker you know they lived full happy lives here. So it's a great sacrifice for them to stay on destiny and see this mission through. But what I was saying earlier was that um, even though it's a, a sort of a place of a conclusion for for the show, for these characters, at the same time, it's also setting up a lot of things. And maybe yeah. we could talk a little bit more about TJ and her discovery. It's This is setting up a new element for her character heading into what would have been a third season knowing that about five years from now, there's a, there's a ticking clock on her now. Maybe my favorite series of transitions from this episode is the one of TJ growing increasingly debilitated with this mm. illness. It, it is, there is a powerful shot of her standing on the bank of, of the lake, yeah. scrubbing. Gorgeous. And it was, it was an amazing shot. It was, it was one of the most amazing shots of, of the series spectacular and it, it goes forward and we see you know young taking care of her as the kids grow and then finally she's not at the table anymore her her seat is empty and it lingers on that seat that's very powerful props to alex chapel for directing epilogue and oh, making man. a whole lot of us making a whole lot of us cry frankly because that last shot of the empty chair was is fantastic we find out through yao Zhu that the cure for ALS was discovered a few hundred right. years ago. So right. there's a chance that we're downloading it. There, there's, yeah, there's that a reasonable and a whole, a whole lot of other yeah. cures for ailments. I mean, there, remember how advanced this civilization is. We figure you, if you handicap them based on how they started out, mm-hmm. um, but they still have the knowledge of these brilliant scientists, they're, they're at least 1,000, if not 1,500 years ahead of, of present-day Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, their music is a little bit different, as evidenced by the great elevator beats. <laughs> what a great beat. This episode is full of these things, full of these little nuggets. Oh, a little uh, Easter egg, little Easter egg. Um, they take the elevator down to level 30, Yeah. but I believe at one point when they're searching around the facility, there's a sign on the wall for level 28, <laughs> which, of course, is the level of Stargate for SGC, yeah. that we saw Absolutely. for so many years on SG-1. So we we download probably a third of this database using Eli's 
uh, compression algorithm, which who knows if it's better than McKay's compression algorithm, into Destiny's computers before the uh, the quake destroys the device. This, you know, it would have been really cool if the database was portable, <laughs> if we could just have taken it with us. Yeah, um, yeah. Park but, says uh, that it's actually built into the whole yeah. structure. Can't just pop out the hard drive. Exactly. Because it is, from what we've seen, they are compatible with Destiny's technology. So still after 2,000 years. In the event, I guess in the event that Destiny ever returned, that would have been a good reason for that. Apparently, the cure for ALS is not uploaded to the ship. And there's a hope that the, the ships that are out there floating around, heading to that new planet, um, yeah. have, port- have copies of the database. They, I imagine they would, but we're never going to be able to find them. Mm. I mean, the, the odds of that are... Uh, a needle in a haystack of nearly infinite size. Well, I'll quibble about that in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we have this database transfer running and earthquakes, and we've discovered that there's this flow of lava running through the city, and basically the whole thing's going to hell, and it's time to go. Mm-hmm. There's and a great so... nugget of, of another ship somewhere that, that wasn't either completed or wasn't sent off. That they, mm-hmm. kind of, they kind of lead us astray with for a little bit there to kind of parallel inferno and then they just completely drop that thread Mm. we find it and it's gone so i have to give a shout out to that that's that was a cool little thread that they that they they led us with like the carrot yeah the the donkey misdirection yeah the misdirection then and then they dropped it the the whole facility is gone they find the lava flow instead so the elevator and its wonderful musical accompaniment are out of commission so we have to get out of this facility by climbing climbing Mm -hmm. up these these stairs that are even the, even the the ladder built into the concrete wall is falling apart, mm-hmm. no doubt because of the quakes. So it's actually a really dangerous climb up a few dozen flights, which leads to more sort of really beautiful shots mm-hmm. from you know. Stargate's never done this before. This is cool. Yeah, and inevitably somebody's there's going to be an earthquake and somebody's going to lose their balance and fall. And Varro catches TJ. He, he catches grabs her. onto her backpack and swings her to safety. And then he falls. And then he falls. Uh, I thought that we had lost him. Yeah. I was pretty convinced that he was down for the count. And he may still be. He may be paralyzed. He may may be, yeah. They were at several flights at that point off the ground. If you you see from the point that he falls to the point that you hear him thud, he fell Mm -hmm. a long way. I was really surprised that he survived. Yeah. With all the debris on the ground, please. That that was almost almost far-fetched. I thought he was done for. They they'd sort of set us up a bit, I think, to expect him to be done for. With all this all this uh, past history on Novus, yeah. Uh, the fact that TJ and Young got together, and then you know she finds out about her illness, and Young comes down, and they sort of have a kind of an intimate moment there where they're talking about you know trying to find a cure for this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Varro's there, and he's like sort of not sure how you know am I supposed to play the part of TJ's boyfriend at this point? And uh, so you you think that maybe I mean after this episode I felt like one of the great stories of SGU uh, one of the most one of the best realized stories over the course of the last couple of years is TJ and Young's relationship mm-hmm. and if we had gotten a few more years out of this I think that that they probably would have gotten together so I did expect Varro to be dead after that fall mm-hmm. yeah what seeing all these alternate histories of these people you know. And finding out that TJ has probably a shorter life to live. When Varro falls, I I felt that we had been given another 
another brilliant angle of misdirection where we've been focusing on TJ when in fact mm -hmm. we may lose one of the others in this episode. But yeah, I mean it's left ambiguous at the end. You know, he's is he basically like catatonic? I mean he's 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 he could be paralyzed. He's yeah, she says there's uh, you know, bruises and, and he's got some broken ribs. But he's unconscious. As far as we know, he hasn't regained consciousness. Mm. So he's he's pretty banged up, and, and she's not 100% confident. But he's around kicking for a couple more episodes, we hope. This episode um, ends really terrific. It is, it is bookended with Young's death. Right. The leader of, of Destiny, really. And it ends with a great scene of him being surrounded by his loved ones. Was um, Elena, did, did she play the daughter? No. Man, they found a girl that looked like her. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, well cast. Um, I have uh, credits here. Uh, Shauna Johansson. Uh, Johansson. Johansson, isn't that interesting? Yeah, not Johansson, Johannesson. Oh, uh, played okay. Sarah, that's their daughter. Still, that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah well cast. Um, so it's nice at this point to start to see the second generation uh, with Stephen and Sarah are their two kids. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in the very last scene at the, at the opening of, e, of Eli Wallace Elementary, we see mm -hmm. Eli's... Grandson. Is it his son or his grandson? His grandson. His grandson. Yeah. And Eli at that point had written... It's implied he wrote all of the textbooks. And, mm -hmm. and Smith has that line, a college dropout. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So Young is on his deathbed. Uh, he lost his wife decades earlier, but he has kids and he has grandkids. And... Chloe. This guy who has gone through hell on Destiny, you know, he gets to die an old man, warm in his bed, surrounded by his loved ones. And it's it's really beautiful, frankly. Chloe's dialogue, you know, says it really, really poignantly. Yeah. We, um, we made a home here. We are home. Yeah. We made the most of it. And it's after he's gone through so much. I mean, remember, they've been living on Novus at this point for, what do you think, 30 25 years, maybe? At that um, point, in that scene? Yeah, when, when he dies, how old do you think? Nah, the kids, the kids are older than that, I think. I suspect it's 40 or 50 years. Yeah, maybe, maybe closer to 40 years. Um, and the last thing that he says to Chloe is, I'm sorry I never got us home. That's mm -hmm. what's been driving him for so long on Destiny, is we have to get these people home. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's his mission. Even after, even after so many years on Novus, building a whole new... You know, society and living it's together. In his thoughts. Growing up together and having children and grandchildren. That's his last thought is, I'm sorry I never got everybody home. That's well, his big regret, you know. And also, yeah. he's, he's old at this point. He may be suffering from something that, that, that's not said. He asks for TJ, for one thing. So, Did he? yeah, he asked for her. Hmm. When, he saw, when he saw Chloe, he said, TJ? He said, no, it's Chloe. Yeah, that's right. She um, said, no, it's Chloe. So he may be more in tuned with recent events from our perspective than than mm. his so but he does ask yeah. for jason he, he asked yes or um steven he asks steven. where steven is so yeah but her line we are home is beautiful so well done it caps off this episode and what the whole the whole experience of novus was about um that life it's it's the best payoff that i could possibly imagine for this storyline but then you and, have the epilogue the, the true right. epilogue with Camille at Eli Wallace yeah. Elementary and that grand exit from the episode of seeing the civilization evolve to finally flying off 
presumably into space. Yeah. It's a great yeah, show. They, this big city gets they our our descendants evolved to the point where they have created this massive city. They've created ships uh, that are capable of interstellar travel, even if they don't have FTL. And they're capable uh, of saving themselves. We find out that that the planet is dying, and Novus will no longer su- to be able to support them, and they they leave. They continue their civilization out there somewhere. Our kids done good. Hi, Darren and David. This is uh, Jeremy Solo from Michigan. Uh, I just got done watching this week's episode of SGU Epilogue. Uh, I just have to say that the past few four or five episodes have just been amazing. Uh, rivaling anything, in my opinion, from any of the Stargate series. Uh, really, really makes it all the worse that it's getting canceled, especially since most series don't even really hit their stride until third or fourth season. Um, I just want to say that it it's great that, e- even though it's not the ending we were hoping for, uh, and it's really an alternate universe ending, I, I think this episode did a really good job of, even though it's not the right ending, you know, giving us a little closure, you know, seeing the alternate crew uh on novice you know and, and kind of giving an ending to them if if anything um yeah it was just a really great episode and i look forward to seeing what the next two episodes bring and also uh i think the age makeup has come a long way since brief candle jeremy's right that this that we've come a long way from brief candle which was when we did the old o'neill old oh makeup god i hope back in not. season one um <laughs> and you know we've done old old person makeup many many times in stargate history we had weir as an old old woman in before i sleep we had old rodney mckay in the last man we had old shepherd you know when he's drained by the wraith yeah so it's something that we've seen a lot of times but frankly unending the the series finale of sg1 the the makeup was was a disaster Uh, you know what gets it it was not realistic what gets it for me every single time is that they don't adjust the voices. They don't go in post and change the voices. The voices change what over the course of 40 years. I would... Yeah, but um, how much of that is on the actor and how much of it is post? It needs to be done... When you, when you listen to or watch home movies mm-hmm. of your family members from 20, 30 years ago and see them now, their voices change. Mm-hmm. And you know they slow down or they get higher... And they never do that. They never do that. And that's one of the things that, that loses me in terms of, of, con, of con, being convinced of the performance. Yeah. Breaks you the can, illusion a bit. It breaks the illusion. But that aside, and that is but definitely be, a quibble. It would be really tough to do that in nah. post and not have it weird, not nah. have it sound weird. You, you'd, have to, you'd have to find a balance. But that's the whole point, you know? I mean, if we can make, if we can make uh, Cliff Simon uh, give him a deep voice and flange him, uh, and make that work. We can certainly, you know, take down uh, uh, yeah. Chloe's voice or take take up her voice. Yeah, but um, you have to know what to do with it. A tenth of an octave. You're not just trying to make it sound alien. You're trying to make it sound really authentically human. Yeah, but they didn't even try, as far as as from this perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's something that you know I think as as uh, as film and television kind of proceeds along i think i hope that that's something that they tinker with in the future you know yeah. not just making a physical transformation but also an auditory one well i was actually um in addition to the makeup artists i was going to compliment uh, the actors and especially elise Levesque, who plays chloe and and also that her her acting choices uh, bleed over 
to Brian in their their last little Kino sit down when or they're talking about their, their kids and grandparents. Yeah. Um, she does an old version of Chloe really well, yeah. and that's why the delivery of lines like "We are home" hits so well is because she's doing old Chloe really well, and it's mm-hmm. sort of this decision as an actor to just sort of slow down a bit and just be less deliberate. About well, when you get saying. that makeup on, it's more than just slowing down. I mean, that's kind of your instinct, uh, yeah. is, is to, to slow down. Um, but I think there's more to it than that, and you have to be able to pull that off. If your grandparents are still around, uh, you know, that's, I, I, I would go right to them and watch them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, Michael Westmore, in some of his uh, Next Generation uh, special features, you know, he talks about when he's transforming people. Um, they say, oh, my God, I look like my grandfather or I look like my grandmother. The process is, is not so pleasant for women, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's where I would go. I would go and I would, I would find my grandparents or I would find some older people in my family and just watch them. Mm. Um, and it looks like she did that. It's time for quibbles. Uh, let's, let's start with this question of how much uh, sort of genetic variety do you need mm-hmm. to create this sort of civilization? I don't know if this was one of your quibbles. You were here last week when we talked about this, where I tried to get in touch with Diane. Diane is yeah. actually a few episodes a... behind, and that's why okay. she hasn't been listening to the show. So she's not spoiling herself. Good. Well, we quibbled about it last week. Uh, let's let Sean from Iowa have a go. Hi, guys. I'm Sean from Ames, Iowa. I'm a long-time listener. First time I've ever called. I really enjoyed the Common Descent and Epilogue two-parter, but I found a couple problems with it. First off, I'm not trying to nitpick, but I think Star Trek has done the idea of having the main characters um, run into the Descendants at some point, at least twice, but um, I still think the, the idea is really interesting. The big reason I called, though, is there's a pretty big scientific hole with this whole idea of uh, having a crew of Destiny found an entire population that grows to be millions of people. As far as we know from the show, there's about 80 people in the Destiny, and from... A little bit of research I did online, that's not enough people in the founding population to prevent inbreeding. From the research I did, the numbers varied, but it seemed like you need about 160 to 200 founders to have a viable population, along with a strict breeding program, to have enough genetic diversity to prevent inbreeding and continue population. Um, I love the show, though. Um, I love the podcast, and like everybody else, I'm really disappointed the show and now the potential movie has been canceled, but... Uh, we've heard enough about that. I think those numbers sound about right, Sean. Eighty people with a majority of men. Um, it's. I think that that's sort of this episode, this two-parter's big conceit. Uh, the sort of suspension of disbelief is that this civilization came from so few people. And the only thing really that I have to say about it is that the there's no strict breeding program. Remember, because when they get to Novus. Their goal is not to have a civilization that lasts for 2,000 years and, you know, spawns. They're just surviving. They're just trying to survive and live out the rest of their lives with the people that they love. My quibble, my only quibble for this episode, is uh, we see the the ship sail off at the end of the episode. I think it has a five painted on the front of it. I may be mistaken about that, but it looked like a five to me. We see cars driving around the freeway in the background. Oh, really? In two of the three transitions, there are cars driving around. So my my quibble is, you know, if we're supposed to infer that this is one of the last ships that they built, which I think is the idea, or this, or I think what we're supposed to infer is this is the ship that they take off into space with, you know? That's, the mm-hmm. tra- that's why we're seeing these transitions. 
they're leaving a lot of people behind <laughs> to their death. Yeah, um, presumably this was one of many. We did see the one, or hear oh, about the okay. one ship that was not completed. Are we supposed to infer that everyone got out? Because I think that's the idea. I think they kept on making ships until everyone was able to leave. Because no one's left on this planet. They're all gone. But they may have been killed when yeah. the volcano erupted. Well, again, that's significant. We've seen so many movies and TV shows with this uh, apocalyptic threat to Earth. Oh, yeah. And only so many people are going to be able to get out however we figured out how to get people out. I I don't have the transcript handy right now, so I don't know if I'm remembering this right. But I think he said that that Eli said that they used the Stargate to get a bunch of people off, and okay. then they built ships when they okay. lost the gate. It's just that I see these cars peacefully driving down these freeways. I don't see yeah. riots around. I don't see yeah. riots around the uh, the facility where the where the the ship is being launched from. It's probably one of those suspension of disbelief points because if it's a civilization of millions covering probably a good portion of the planet's surface after 2,000 years. I don't know if you can get all those people off the planet. Yeah, and that ship was very small. Even if you had an epic city built on another planet to take them to, which they didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think some people have to be left behind, but you'd think you would see some some signs in the city. You'd you'd find skeletons. You'd find... You know, mass graves. You'd find mm-hmm. tracks some of evidence of, of social disorder. Okay, here is possibly the most nitpicky quibble I've ever leveled against a Stargate episode. Oh, right? I can't wait. The very first shot is the shuttle landing uh, outside the city or in the city in the ash. You are and wrong. The very first shot is on Colonel Young as an old man. Okay, the the first <laughs> visual effect shot. <laughs> The statue, right? Is uh, there's this damn statue in the foreground, and it doesn't look a thing like him. It's awesome that they have a statue to Colonel Young, but this is uh, this is the beginning of season one, Colonel Young. This is closely cut haircut. Uh, You know, he looks like like the young guy. He's buttoned up, and he has his his name badge on, so you can see who he is. The records that these guys had of Colonel Young is the Colonel Young with the long curly hair who's running around screaming his head off at people yeah. in the first Kino videos. Yeah. I don't know why, where this this image for the statue comes from. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point. And my issue with with it was he didn't look a thing like him at yeah. all. <laughs> it was kind of like an impressionist opinion of of the appearance of Colonel. Young. And I mean, the the issue with that is they have all of this footage of him. So they, they can accurately depict what he looks like. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know if the, the modeler in, in the episode just didn't have enough time to get it to look like him. I don't know if – because they, they clearly didn't scan the actor's face. It's, it, I'd, I'd be very curious to know why they chose that, that kind of mug on that statue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's well, a great moment, though. We're running short on time, so let me blow through my other quibbles and see what you make of them. Also, at the beginning of the episode, we decide we find this bunker that Yazoo knows about. We decide to blow a gigantic hole in it Mm -hmm. using our big honking space gun. Mm -hmm. We don't know if there are people living in this this bunker. Yeah, Um, we shoot at it anyway. There's a bit of dialogue explaining, well, the bunker is far below that, and we can't get through it, and etc., etc. I'm sorry, but if there are hundreds of people living in this thing down there. They may be crammed in, yeah. Blow a hole in the door that's keeping out the, the ash radiation, yeah. and everything else that's going on here. Pretty pretty bold move. And everybody mm. was on board with it. 
Also, I found it a little bit odd in the Kino videos, the later Kino videos where they've been there for 10 years and everybody's having babies, that Eli, uh, Eli, a, a civilian, a, a nice guy who's buddies with everybody, Eli, of all people, is still referring to Park and James by their surnames. Why is he not calling them Lisa and Vanessa at this point? Mm-hmm. And why hasn't he lost a hell of a lot of weight? I find that very hard to believe. I, I really I really think that I mean this this is just something that you can't get away with I mean you can't unless David Blue was wearing a fat suit from the beginning you can't portray him as a skinny guy without doing a severe amount of digital enhancement he would not be heavy anymore I don't I don't believe that he the, the amount of physical labor that they all had to go through to build that to to build that settlement mm. and all of them contributing yeah. he wouldn't he would not be that heavy let me say that next quibble it's. It's not really explained to my satisfaction why we have to stay in the bunker in order to keep the data transfer going. I understand that this thing is sort of collapsing in on itself and the computer systems are probably going to be smashed at any moment. But um, why can't we just go back up to Destiny and let the transfer continue running until it's done? Yeah, it looks like it's one file. It doesn't look like it's packets that they're transmitting up. And that's the whole point. He says it's one file. So just leave. Yeah, yeah. Everybody should be able to leave, and as long as something doesn't go catastrophically wrong, where you have to start your FTP transfer again. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Uh, pretty minor point, though. And again, the last the last thing I wanted to bring up was what we talked about briefly before, which is uh, we know that Destiny has sensors. When we're traveling in FTL, we know that it can find things. Um, it it identified things like uh, the seed ship. Uh, while we so were why at FTL. While we were in FTL, uh, why can't we find the Novan ship? If it's on the path that we're we're now traveling to, wow. to the planet where we're dropping these guys off, it's and been stop programmed. And see if they have a full copy of the database. The only thing I can think of is it's been programmed to detect certain types of things, like uh, stellar bodies and you know uh, uh, ancient oriented technology. Which presumably, in that case, you know, this these these ships should be fairly ancient in design and and you know in, in mm-hmm. warp field signature or whatever you want to call it. So, I yeah, I think it's a stretch that we wouldn't encounter them. Yeah, granted that we don't know a whole lot about Destiny's sensors, we do know from Resurgence, for example, that we detected just sort of some sort of power signature, mm-hmm. which ended up being the, the drones mm-hmm. floating in the, in the debris field. Mm-hmm. So but they if can we're detect following along that path to that very, planet... Not very specifically. Yeah, we should be able to see it. Uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to raise uh, that I didn't in this episode is, you know, the, the Torment of Tantalus V that I got from this episode, where... Um, Eli's, Eli's before the earthquake really hits, he's suggesting, you know, we need to stay, we need to stay, we need to get this, this database out of here. This is our, this is our ancestry. And I flash back to Ernest Littlefield's line, what good is Mm. knowledge if you can never share it? There would be no point. Mm. Um, there's a certain amount of torment of Tantalus in this episode. The other thing that I wanted to mention real quick that I saw, we were, we were, we were bitching and moaning last week about language and, you know, the things surviving for 2,000 years and not surviving. Did you have a close look at the, at the computer monitors? I saw the previous and next links. <laughs> the, uh, on the screen, Z is used a lot of times as the last letter in a lot of words. They're, they're, they're saying that language has kind of evolved. And I thought that that was a great little nod. If you look at a lot of the, it's it is English, but it's not mm. really our English. If you go back That's and good. look, there's a lot. Of, there are a lot of Z's where there shouldn't be, 
where they like in like names and n a m e z you know that i thought that that was a very clever a very subtle nod to say that yes mm. it's been 2000 years and there have been some advancements in language or lack thereof <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, that's a, I mean, that's a great little attention to detail yeah that was that was great i i looked at that and i was like you know what that's perfect they're saying that this is that this civilization has moved forward or backward in terms of because I, mean, I think that that's that's just really a corrupt use of use of the word Z of the letter Z, but you know, that's their point is well taken. Well, all my, my quibbles about the details aside, I loved epilogue. Um, wonderful way for the show to go out. Um, if, if you were to think of this as, if not the last hour, then then one of the last hours of the, of the series, it's just, uh, Bobby said it in his voicemail that uh, we experienced, uh, the, the community of these characters for the first time. Uh, and we cared about them. For the first time, as a community of people, not just oh, I, I kind of like Eli and I kind of like Chloe, and mm-hmm. um, the, the characters pulled together in an amazing way uh, that made for an amazing Out episode of necessity. That, was, that was funny, that was exciting, that was moving, that was tragic, high paced. Uh, they got it, a, it, a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, it, it had it all. I think this is this is one of Stargate's finest hours. Agreed. Well, we are running long, but we have a bit of voicemail to get to. Let's open up the mailbag. Listen to mail. Hi, this is Daniel from Idaho. I was calling, I'm calling basically about the last few episodes of Stargate Universe. Um, uh, when you guys did your emergency meeting, I was overwhelmed with nostalgia, and I just couldn't believe it was officially all done. And I really hope these last couple episodes do something momentous I, the most fulfilling thing that could ever happen to, for me for Stargate would be in the last two, maybe they do the two-parter at the end. I know this wouldn't happen, but it would just be the coolest thing if Destiny was just about to be destroyed and suddenly another ship came out and rescued them and somehow it hinted that they were the Furlings. That's just me. I think that would be just the awesomest thing that could ever happen. Thanks. Hello everyone, this is Alex from Norway. I just wanted to point out a small failure of continuity for all those Stargate fanatics like me out there. In SG-1 The Fifth Race, O'Neill used Nova as in new. I need a new location. Well now in Common Descent they use Novus. Novus is taken directly from Latin, while Nova is their own little twist. I just wanted to point this out. Oh, and I loved this new episode. So sad this is all ending. Alex adds a great point to this, and he caught something in the show that is really like particular about the continuity of the entire show. Nova uh, being used all the way back in the fifth race as mm-hmm. the word "new." You know, the, the, a lot of the words from from ancient and and Jaffa and Gould are are kept in some kind of a Bible throughout the show. You know, we know that Keck, for instance, is is kill in um, SG One, and you can go throughout the show and see that usage before they reveal to us that Keck is kill. Mm-hmm. Um, or dead or death? Yeah, death. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, but we've they established that that there are a number of different dialects of ancient. It's it's logical or reasonable to assume that the um, the, the passage that that um, that O'Neill reads in in the Fifth Race is an older version of that dialect compared to mm. the one that uh, that it's probably, probably more like the Atlantean era. Destiny era for in terms of Novus. My point is the dialect changes just like you know I just said with the Z for for all of our language that yeah even that for the ancients update. it changes yeah so that pro- that may have been intentional yeah and and remember I mean 
um, Alex said that that um, the ancient language, you know, as it developed over millions of years of their civilization, was not based on Latin, but that's that's where we speculate, where Daniel speculates, our Latin comes from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is a connection between between the the two, but they're not the same. Mm-hmm. So when we come up with Novus as a Latin name for for our planet, um, there is a connection with the ancients, but it's not the ancient language. Hi, Darren and David. This is Andy K, aka Thunderbird Two, on the GateWorld forum, responding to your feedback for the latest Stargate podcast, Stargate's End. The first thing I'd like to say is that I hope that the end of the Stargate franchise, at least at the moment, does not mean an end to GateWorld itself. Since I joined in 2006, the websites felt very much like a community, with fans not just debating and discussing Stargate, but various topics and other forms of science fiction as well. The hard work that the two of you and all the other mods put into the site and all the other features is very much appreciated, and I sincerely hope that that will continue. I've been a fan of Stargate for 14 years. When I consider how long that there's been continuous Stargate production on the go, that's a terrifying thought. But it also makes me realise that because the franchise has been going for so long, it has come to a point where it needs to stop and it needs fresh blood. It needs new people at the top with new ideas. And that's not something that can happen overnight. There's a strong cast for SG-1, SGA and SGU. And there's the potentiality that the actors will come back if there are good stories in the future. It happened for Star Trek. It happened for James Bond. It can happen for Stargate as well. The potential is there, but even if I'm wrong and it doesn't happen, we have 17 seasons of episodes, we have two DVD feature films and the original movie. It's not every audience that can say they've been indulged to that degree. Hey, this is Cody from Pittsburgh, Indiana. Just calling about the general topic. Um, You know, Star Universe, when people are talking about, you know, it's ending, and the latest episodes, you know, the... And also the storylines, the A and B storylines. Um, you know, in season one, there's easily identified A and B storyline. You know, the B was usually getting to know the characters in season one, um, which usually didn't have you know something that contributed to the overall life of the ship or something like that, or to help like their travels on destiny or something like that. Um, now getting to like definitely the second half of season two, there is no A and B uh, storylines. It's all A storylines. All the both storylines help the ship out in some certain way or form, uh, which is really making the season two and the last season of the Star Universe go out with a bang, and which. When I say bang, I disagree with that because they are going out with a rupture in space-time itself. It's just going to be really sad that knowing that the season and series is going to be ending on a cliffhanger. Hi, this is Chris in Coral Springs, Florida. Um, I just want to say um, I've been watching Stargate since the original movie. Uh, kind of feels like a friend has died. It's, it's not very easy to take. I sent a text message immediately out to all my family. I got all my family involved with it. Uh, my best friend, who I got involved as well. A couple other people watched the show with me. And I got a 
text back from my mom that said uh, it's only a TV show, and yeah, it, it is. It, it's only a show, and I kind of realize that, but still, when something's part of your life for almost 15, 16 years, you know, it kind of feels like a death in the family. We all knew it's coming, and I'm mostly not upset with the fact it's gone. I understand it's a business. I understand why they had to get rid of it. But the fact that we are never going to have a conclusion to finding out, you know, I thought they might eventually find God. They might actually take on the religious thing. Um, it could have seriously been just another advanced race. But anyways, also, uh, I want to bring out the fact that the, with Stargate being gone, there is no real sci-fi space-based TV show out there, period. You know, even though there are shows that are about aliens, they all tend to take place on Earth, Earth-bound, if you will, you know, like invasions and stuff. There's no real space sci-fi show out. Now, I know Blood and Chrome is coming out, but that's not a real original show. It's kind of like rework, and I know Stargate was, but we used to have Farscape. We used to have Stargate. We used to have Star Trek, uh, Firefly. We had all these shows on TV, and now they're all gone. You know, is, is that a budget issue, you think? Or do you think that nobody believes that the audience is there for it anymore? I don't believe that. I think if you're a good quality show, regardless of what it is, people will watch. Anyways, just wanted to say, yeah, kind of sad that it's gone. Uh, I disagree with you two, though, on the fact that I think it'll be back. You know, I'm not a negative person, but I don't believe Stargate will be back. I think MGM's going to move on, and I don't think they're going to look back. Kind of sad. Hi, this is Anthony from New Jersey. Um, just calling in response to the bad news about the Stargate franchise ending. Um, I just wanted to say really quickly that I started watching SG-1 when I was 12 years old. I saw the first episode of Showtime. I remember it. And um, I'm 26 now, and I've followed it all the way through the SGU. Um, I, I'm really saddened to see it go, but I think there's a lot to be grateful for and proud of with the franchise that went 17 seasons 14 years three television series like a lot of franchises can't say that and i think that people should be like you know we did a good thing and it reminds me of when michael shanks had an interview when he found out that sg1 was canceled after 10 seasons he said that it's kind of hard to feel bad about it because they had accomplished so much and i think that that's what some stargate fans should take away from this is that we accomplished the franchise accomplished a lot, and, you know, it's not that bad, you know. Um, two quick things. I think that what MGM, personally, what I think they're going to do is probably continue Stargate through the films, which is the first film with Kurt Russell and David Spader, and just continue it. And it would have nothing connected to the television series. It would probably just be a trilogy and see where that goes. And also I was thinking of um, the conclusion to Stargate Universe probably would be Great if they could do it through comic books, because I know Angel and Buffy the Vampire series, they they did um, comic books of season whatever the next season was, and I think they had pretty good success with that, and I think it would be good for people that don't usually read books, which I do not, but I would definitely pick up the comic books to see what happens, so... Uh, I want to see what you guys thought. Anthony brings up this idea of continuing SGU in comic books, which has been... Farscape's done that. Very successful for Farscape, for Angel, for Buffy. Yeah. 
do like a, a virtual season three in comic book form. You know, that's I would also be been very interested in suggested for the Fandemonium novels as well for for people who read novels. SGU is very visual though, so I mean, I think it would probably lend itself better to um, to comic books. I hope that someone, whoever is responsible for for Stargate Comics now, approaches Brad and says, you know, let's tell this story because I would read them, man. Yeah, Dynamite Entertainment has the Stargate license right now, as far as we know. Okay. I would really love to see them try an SGU Season 3 comic series. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to do it, because my impression over the last several years is that Stargate comics just don't do well. Yeah, They don't sell well. Avatar tried it for a few years, Avatar Press. Uh, tried SG-1 in Atlantis Comics for a few years, and I the sales, I think, just didn't... But this is a different kind of environment. I mean, you have... You have a feeding ground here of opportunity where you can establish and solidify continuity with these comic books. They could be, yeah. I mean, if you have Brad and Rob behind them, if they sign off at least Brad, they could be a part of canon. And that's the thing with Farscape. The, I don't know about the other. I, I think it is with Buffy and Angel, too. These, these are considered canon. Coming up on the podcast next week, we're talking about Blockade. That's episode 19, the penultimate, and then the series finale, Gauntlet will be in about two weeks' time. And then we will follow that with our usual SGU Season 2 recap show. And then after we've gone through all that, all the episodes, the season recap, then we'll have some time to start talking about things like... Um, science of SGU? Sure, we could do another Science of SGU show. I have so many questions for Diana once she gets done, caught bring up. Bring Diane back. Yeah, yeah. bring Diane Turncheck back. Diane, and, that's um, right. Yeah. One of the things that we did when Atlantis went off the air was we did... Like uh, a post-mortem show. We did like Atlantis Deconstructed. And I think uh, once all is said and done with season two, that's going to be the time to Mm -hmm. talk about SGU as a whole, Mm -hmm. what we thought worked, what we thought didn't work, what we might have done differently. Um, Why the show show didn't make it five years or or Mm. three years or whatever. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us. And I was really, really pleased and delighted with a lot of the uh, the voicemail that came through in uh, our Common Descent uh, podcast. A lot of it really touched me. You know, it's it's mm. so nice to know that there are so many people out there who are really listening in. Thanks everybody. Thanks to Russell for editing the show once again. Somebody suggested that we should have Russell come on the podcast and just talk to us so that they know who the heck he is. Yeah, I uh, I would like to have him in a future show. I really honestly if could, would. If we could convince him to do that, that's a great idea. Yeah. Again, we're a couple weeks behind broadcast on the episodes, of course, but we love hearing your contributions to the discussion. So once you've watched the new episode on Monday night, call into the Gate World Podcast hotline and leave us a voicemail of about a minute, 90 seconds. Uh, yeah, keep it around that, please. That number is 951-262-1647. You can call anytime, day or night. If you didn't get a pencil out in time to write that down, you can head over to GateWorld and look it up <laughs> on the podcast page. Because he's not going to say it again. Because <laughs> I'm not going to no. This number is available, which you can find out there on the interwebs by pointing your browser to gateworld.net slash podcast. Uh, if you don't want to call, you can also email a brief audio recording. Save yourself a little, uh, a few pennies or pence or wherever you come from, yen or euros, uh, and uh, submit an audio recording via email to webmaster at gateworld.net. Uh, we'll also get it that way. The quality is considerably better. You, you, you're, you're more, you're more uh, apt to sound like us uh, than you do over a telephone line because uh, that hotline is still a phone line. So. You can also check out the podcast feedback thread in GateWorld forum. Uh, under the GateWorld Features section. It's near the top. And um, uh, chat with us and your fellow podcast listeners about the show. Disagree with us all you want. We love it. It's one of the yep. reasons we do this. 
And each and every week there are show notes on GateWorld.net. So if we've mentioned an episode from the past or a character from the past, you know, Brief Candle aired, what, oh my gosh, 14 years ago? Oh my gosh. Uh, If you want to know what's going on in Brief Candle and what what the heck that that was about, it's everything's going to be linked from the show notes and you can read, read more about it on GateWorld. From GateWorld, this is Darren. This is David. And we'll see you back here next week for another installment of the GateWorld Podcast.